0: His wings. He's coming to share with us the Word of God. I so appreciated the Word, Pastor, what God's giving to you to share with us. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Uh, we want to pray for her before we get started? Yeah. Um, so they, uh, John and Chelsea are taking um, Nova to the doctor tomorrow just to check on some things uh, to make sure that everything's on the up and up. So we want to pray that all things are good. Let's, uh, let's stretch our hands towards this family right now. Lord, we just pray right now for Nova Rain, Lord, that you would just touch her body. Lord, any kind of inconsistency that may be there that could be giving uh, discomfort or grief, Lord, that that be, uh, that be made whole, made well. Lord, if it's a creative miracle that needs to happen, then we just pray that that happens in her body right now in Jesus' name. Lord, and if there's anything that's just askew, Lord, just correct it right now. Thank you for peace in her body. Thank you that when she eats, she'll be able to keep everything down, and she'll remain healthy, that in no uh, sudden jerks reactions that don't need to be just as part of a normal um, part of growth and development of a baby so i just also pray for peace over both john and chelsea right now in jesus name lord that you would just give them comfort in the times of of being parents and uh and dealing with raising a child the little one so lord we just thank you that you are the prince of peace and the mighty god and so we thank you for all these things in jesus name amen amen, amen. amen. awesome it's good to see you them here so I'm, I'm happy that you guys made it today and brought the little one so we uh we had been in uh, a series the last probably i think seven weeks we took uh, seven weeks to go over a series called the good shepherd and uh, i'm sure we're going to be talking a little bit back and forth through some more of psalm 23 at different times just because it's not left me it's still with me but uh i really i really had a uh at a, at a moment where I felt like the Lord illuminated uh, God with us, Emmanuel. Everybody heard that before? Tis the season, right? We see, we hear it in songs. We sang it in the song today in Hark Heart the Herald Angels Sing. Uh, Emmanuel was in there. And so we, we hear these terms and phrases a lot throughout the years, um, especially over holiday seasons, but we we kind of just get used to them instead of actually having the weightiness of what those words mean at times. And and what we should really be focusing and concentrating on in the revelation of Emmanuel, God being with us here. And so I, I wanted to do a, a short series uh, throughout this, this month of December called God With Us. And this is kind of the introduction. So we, uh, what I want to do is, is before we get into like reading through a bunch of scripture, I'm just going to kind of walk you through some things verbally, and then we'll get into the word. You guys good with that? Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so... Uh, we have in the beginning, in the in the book of Genesis. At some point, I want to do a do a series, kind of walking through the book of Genesis, at least the early parts of it, and uh, especially the the story of creation. I think it's fascinating. But in the beginning, we see that there's a beautiful scene where God creates. He causes things to come into motion, and there's lots of different opinions. Uh, you can talk to different people who are. Uh, who are phds and and people who are scientists people who study this often um, especially evolutionary biology and things like that and they have very specific opinions and and even within each of those practices there are many varieties of opinions as far as what this meant for us whenever god created and just that that those that little phrase god created the heavens and the earth has sent people in tailspins <laughs> just trying to figure out what that means we if you're atheistic, you don't believe that there is a God, so then you don't believe that that could have ever happened, and so there's lots of different distinctiveness that comes from that. We're not going to tackle that topic today, but, um, but it's a beautiful thing to be able to recognize that uh, we can get very caught up in the nuances of what could be when we look at this book called the Bible. It's full of great stories, true stories of God. With us. We can lose sight of that. We can get caught up on. At what point. How many days did it take. What, what was the process. It, what came first in the middle of this. Was it the elephant or the tiger that came first. How did this work you know. Um, we can get caught up in all those specifics. But lose sight of the actual story. Of what the Lord is. is painting for us here in scripture. And so we see in the book of Genesis. That in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. It says that he does one thing, then he does another thing, then he does another thing. It goes through steps and stages of of what he went through to, to get us to the place to where we find. And then we see the very last thing he does is he creates man in his own image. Male and female, he created them. It was for the purpose of dwelling with them and having communion with them communion and intimacy and shared relationship this was this was the scene really the first five days was a whole setup setting the scene for everything that was getting ready to happen placing things in the right in the right position so that whenever his beloved would be there it would be ready for them to take their place and so we look through and we find that that's a beautiful story of, of God now being with his people. If you look through, uh, and I've mentioned this a few times before, but I'm, I, I love temple theology. And so y- if you talk to anyone who's really into it, you'll find that many scholars believe that Eden was the very first temple that God actually instituted into, uh, into the world. It's The very first temple on earth that we find. So he created a place in Eden where his presence dwelt. And then they had from there, they had the garden that was around that Adam and Eve were supposed to cultivate and expand. And then you had the outer depths of the garden that was there that that was chaos, essentially, to where they were supposed to actually take dominion over the land and expand the territory. And so this is the first representation of the temple that we see within Scripture with those three separate places, because if you're familiar, you have the outer court, the inner court and the Holy of Holies in the temple. And so it kind of takes those three positions and there you have Eden where his presence dwells. You have the garden where they would live and, 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 and take dominion over that place. And then you have the outer courts and the outer lands outside the garden. However, what we see is that we see that, that God gives directives on, on what they're, they're capable of doing and, and what they should not do as well. And in that process, a specific individual called the serpent... He comes through and he convinces them just with words that what God said caused them to just question God in a way that led them into disobedience. Is what God said really true? Is what he said really, really what you're supposed to do? Is God really actually afraid of what would happen if you were to do this? Which is an absurd thought. Is God actually afraid? Is, is Is he nervous about you being more like him? Exactly like him in that way. When it says in the creation of man that he created male and female in his image. So the lie was against their identity. And it pulled them away to question the one who they could be intimate with. So the story of creation isn't so much in how can we define every scientific aspect of it. It's. The story of God dwelling with us and desiring companionship with us, desiring that we co-labor with him, desiring for him to walk with us throughout the day. This is the story that we find throughout the Bible. And you can find the threads as as you went from, from one story to another that God is continuously pulling on the hearts of man to come back to their first love. We find this language in the book of Revelation, so so you can fast forward all the way to the very end of the Bible, where, he, where they talk to the, to the church of Ephesus, and he's like, if you would only return to your first love, you're doing great things, but you've lost sight of that first love. And so we see this disobedience this happen in the garden, and then there was shame that came upon them for their disobedience for they knew that they could see when they took of the, no the, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they could see their nakedness and they felt shame. The first time shame was mentioned in the Bible was in this moment. When they did an activity and caused them to feel a certain type of way about their disobedience and then from that place, they hid. they hid away instead of running to God and running running towards uh, uh, an apologetic stance they tried to hide and they clothed themselves with fig leaves they covered themselves hoping that they could remove their own shame of their nakedness of their decision they covered themselves in the best way they knew how with the closest thing that they could find they covered themselves But in reality, in that covering, they were not met with an easy feeling because as God was walking through the through the garden, He says, "He looked for him." They're like, "Hey, here I am." He's like, "What are you doing?" They're like, "Oh, we were hiding from you." He's like, "Why are you hiding?" <laughs> we were afraid because of our nakedness and ashamed. Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were naked? That's an interesting question, right? Who told you that you were naked? He didn't ask, who told you to eat of the fruit? You can look it up. Genesis chapter 3. He didn't say, who told you to eat the fruit? Who told you you were naked? And then fingers started pointing in every direction except for here. Who told you you were naked? They covered themselves in their own shame and hid away from from their creator, the one whom they've had intimate walks with in the cool of the day. They hid themselves. beautiful thing is that God etched in a plan of redemption a plan of redemption because I I can I can relate to Adam and Eve in many ways to where, in the days in the times and in moments still yet that whenever I find myself in opposing thought to what the Lord has directed us into it's very easy for me to want to cover myself and cover my own tracks Anybody else feel that way too? Okay, I'm I'm in in the right place. You want to cover your own tracks because you don't want to feel that shame anymore. And so you want to try to fix something before the authoritarian figure comes in. Uh, Do you you remember this as a kid too? You try to reach for the cookies at the top of the the fridge and you kind of teeter a little bit maybe. Maybe you grab that that cookie and it's maybe a little bit bigger than you thought it was and and then you, you knock over the cookie jar maybe it cracks the vase or something like that or the cookie, the cookie jar that's there. You try to pick it up and try to like place it together enough and then set it back and hope that it stays. Or maybe if there's a little crack in a spot, you swivel it to the back to where it's like nobody's going to see it. It's, it's going to be fine. No problem. Maybe I can put a little glue on it and then swivel it a little bit more and it'll be good. Try to cover your tracks before someone else comes in. Like the, the moment happens where something falls and you listen. Is there going to be a voice that shouts out? What was that? If you don't hear it, oh, you're fine. You hardly even try to take care of it. Or if you hear the voice, what was that? Nothing. Nothing. It was nothing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> don't worry about it. It's fine. Nothing nothing happened. Quickly trying to cover up your tracks with the elevation of your voice so that you can mask the frantic nature of what you're doing in that moment to try to hide what you just did. We try to cover ourselves. We try to cover ourselves. But you see that what God did was he, he displayed a plan. And something is very interesting. This still perplexes me, and I want to do a lot more study on this, but for now, these are my thoughts on this, this part of the scripture. But it doesn't say that God left them in their own covering. He doesn't leave them in their own leaves. I don't know if you've looked at the story in this way, but he he doesn't leave them in the own way that they tried to cover up their own tracks and to cover up their own nakedness. What he actually did was he gave them animal skins. He gave them animal skins. So he covered them in the same way that he was planning on covering the weightiness of the sins of humanity. The blood of the lamb to come and cover the multitude of sins. And it was by God's hand that it was allowed and it was done. It was not by man's plan. It was not by man's doing. It was not by anyone else's ability to supersede their own wrongs, it was the Lord who covered them. Because them alone, they could not adequately cover themselves. And so the shed blood that happened was the shed blood to create a covering for his beloved so that they would not feel shame anymore. And so we see this as a foreshadowing of what the Lord was going to do even after he declared that he was was going to eradicate the the lies of the snake. The the heel of the one who he was going to send was going to crush the serpent's head and it would bruise his heel from the seed of the woman that it would come. was going to be God with us. It was not going to be man covering themselves trying quickly briskly to to take away the the sins or the the dismay that they have caused by following other voices. And so we we continue on throughout scripture and and I'm going to fast forward just a little bit. We'll we'll get into some more specifics in the coming weeks leading up to Christmas but um we see in in Isaiah chapter 7 the prophet Isaiah there I mean there's a, there's a few prophets that we find in the Old Testament that they went through hell in their life to try to figure out how to try to get Israel back away from their idolatry and moving back into a heart that is for their God And Isaiah writes here in verse 14, chapter 7, verse 14, he says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. We'll get into again, we'll get into specifics about some of these. Some of the reasons why some of these people wrote this specifically and and why the Lord spoke to them in this way, but. But this is a very important thing for us to understand is that God would continue to give messages to people throughout the history. To remind them of the prophecy that he gave Adam and Eve when they were in the garden. The Lord does new things all the time, but yet there's nothing new under the sun go, how the heck? (laughs) How does that work? There are new revelations for us on how to see the the still and the ancient truth of our good, good Father. New revelations of how to see Him and how to understand things better, how to awaken our hearts in ways that uh, that He will transform us, in ways that He will eradicate the enemy. However, it is still built upon the ancient truth that God is the supreme all Powerful ruler of all things, the creator of all things, the liberator, the one to truly create freedom and comfort and console. I was listening um, recently to uh, to a guy named Dennis Prager. I don't know if many of you have heard of him or not. He's a uh, he's a, he's been a popular talk show host for a long time. Had a radio program for quite some time. I believe he still has one. Um, but he he does a lot of things with the Daily Wire. He also has a platform called Prager PragerU. And he was speaking recently about how throughout history, you can tell that what people want is not freedom. They want security. Yep. People sacrifice freedom all the time for security. Yep. You can even find this biblically over and over and over again. Look at the Israelites when they were in the wilderness. They were walking around after being delivered from the Egyptians. They walked around. They saw the 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 Red Sea split in half and they went through it. And then Pharaoh's army came, Poof, the this the Red Sea collapsed over top of them, defeating their enemy. They saw the pillar by day and the cloud. Uh, sorry, the cloud by day and the pillar by night leading them through. They they saw the the incredible things at the at Mount Sinai whenever Moses went up to go receive the, the Ten Commandments. They saw all of these incredible things. But yet they would be in the wilderness walking around and they would go, my goodness, this manna is horrible. We had much better food when we were in captivity with Egypt. Let's go back. That food was good. They were in horrible slavery for years and years, and years, and years, and years, and years, and years. But because they had a better buffet than the meal the Lord was sending them, they decided that they wanted to go back into slavery. For which they complained and uttered prayers, petitioning prayers to the Lord to deliver them from the hand of the Egyptians. Day in and day out, says the Lord heard their prayers. But yet they didn't like the food that was being offered, and so they wanted to go back to slavery. Many times we don't want freedom. We don't know what to do with freedom. Many people want security. However, in the Lord, he doesn't give us freedom to go back into bondage. He doesn't offer us the, the ability to have communion with him so that we could be led back by the snake. It is for freedom that he set us free. And it binds us into the the law of the Lord, which is liberating. The restrictions and the restraints that we actually have through scripture are not condemning. It is actually liberating because it allows us not to be caught in a snare by the enemy. But to live in the fullness of God with us. And so we we see these words by Isaiah as another breadcrumb being given yet again to the nation of Israel that God was going to fulfill his promise that he gave Adam and Eve in the beginning. And so we fast forward. Fast forward to Matthew chapter 1. We'll go verse 18 through 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not communicate, or sorry, consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Again the writer reiterates that what was getting ready to happen right here, Matthew speaking, that what was happening was the prophet Isaiah's words were about to be fulfilled. That Emmanuel was to be present. God with us here. And what he was going to do was he was going to take what we had done with leaves to try to cover our own sins, our own mishaps, to try to bandage all the things that we had we had tried to accomplish on our own. He came to remove those fig leaves and offer a better covering. One that was total and complete and would last. And one where he would be with us forever. I mentioned the last few weeks that especially last week when we talked about David and Solomon and and david's desire to build a temple for uh for the lord and he was like man i'm sitting here in this big old castle this mansion and and the lord is just in a tent i want to do something for him and then the lord visited the prophet nathan in the dream and said hey look (laughs) at no point throughout israel's history did i require their leader to build me a permanent fixture It's not about having the biggest mansion that I can dwell in. I was satisfied with being with my people in the tent, going from place to place. And then he gave Nathan the word that it will be from one of the sons of David. that the dwelling place would be created. And although it was fulfilled through Solomon that a temple was was erected, it didn't last very long in the scope of history. It was destroyed by the Babylonians. Ransacked and resources pulled away from it. It was a horrible thing for the nation. But we see that it is fulfilled in Christ as he declared himself the temple. And then showing us what it meant to live on earth as it is in heaven. In full communion back with the Father, showing that He dwells with us. God with us. This was the whole intent from the garden into our New Testament reality was for him to dwell with us at all times. It wasn't so that he could have a specific structure. Built so that we can be there, although we appreciate having a, a building that we could come to and we can gather and we can be encouraged and uplifted and we can prophesy over one another. We can encourage and uplift one another and that we can contend and mourn and weep with one another and all the things that that are needed within a great community. We love community. However, the intention was not for a structure. It was for the people to be with him and with each other. That was the intention. That was the purpose. That was the reason. It doesn't say Emmanuel, God in the temple. Or Emmanuel, God in the synagogue. Or Emmanuel, God, specifically here at Heartland Christian Family Church and in no other churches that are around Poplar Bluff. It it says none of those things. None of those things. It's hogwash. We believe that we have the, the only access to the Holy Spirit just because we enter into these doors of this building. Emmanuel's God with us. So what is our intention with, uh, with that word us? What is our intention with that? Because I, I propose... It is to actually be built upon one another with family. The true intention of family. The family structure, the family union. If we cannot dwell with one another, then we are broken apart. You won't be able to encounter the encouragement that you need. And, and you, you'll miss out on insights that somebody else may have gotten from the Lord that he specifically gave to them so that it could be shared with one another you realize that, that you are not a superhero. I know that I am not a superhero, Zach. That's when, that's when you start to see the different people will, will create a, a, like, a, like a savior mentality about themselves to where nobody else has access to the same thing that they have access to, which is crazy. God is no res- respecter of persons as far as he doesn't, uh, he doesn't just want to move in one person's heart. He wants to move in everyone's heart. The beautiful thing that he does is he he has different things that he does in different people so that everybody can encounter him in various ways. And it requires us to be with one another because then you'll miss out on the things that he does in somebody else. He is the head of the body. I could just be the pinky fingernail. But you need that. It's helpful. God dwells with us. God with us. Emmanuel. And this Emmanuel was something that they had long awaited for and expected. Jesus even says in John 3, when he talks to Nicodemus, that uh, the Son of Man has to be lifted up. And, And likens it to the same... Uh, same same scene that we saw in the Old Testament, where uh, the Israelites were being bitten by snakes, and so the remedy that came from it was that they were they made a snake around a, a pole, and, and Moses elevated it up, and when they looked at the snake, they were healed. Beautiful story, crazy, wild, that this is what ha- was happening in the in the in the wilderness. But it's now used as a universal sign for healing. You look at any ambulance and there's a stick and there's something that's wrapped around the stick at the snake. The universal sign now for healing and for restoration in that. So the son of man had to be lifted up in order for this to happen. It's crazy that as we have been bitten by snakes in our lives, as we've followed after the direction maybe, the allurement of, of deception, we've been bitten. And that poison moves either very quickly or or sometimes slowly through our mentalities, through our our thoughts, whether if it was somebody who did something against us and now we hold bitterness against them. Maybe maybe they're a variation of circumstances and now you feel like this is just God hating you or something like that. Maybe you're just dealing with the same thing over and over and over, recurring things that you've find yourself just aggravated that ah, i cannot believe i'm still doing this or or going through this again and again and again and again snakes entrapments of the enemy in james chapter one he says that we're tempted and enticed by our own lustful desires other versions say we're drug away by those desires who told you you were naked God was fully aware that the serpent was there. Fully aware. I don't think he was he was missed at that. Oh my goodness, there was what? You heard who? He knew. Certain of it. He didn't ask who told you to take a bite of the fruit. Because he knew it was their choice to bite. He asked them who told you you were naked. Things that we bring upon ourselves, shame that we afflict and guilt that we afflict upon ourselves and sit in that. So much so that we're trying to cover up our nakedness when it was not their nakedness that was the issue. Do we realize this? Their nakedness was not the was not the, the, the original sin. God created them naked. We know this, right? We remember this. Their nakedness was not the issue. It was their decision to follow the voice of someone else. That caused them to be deceived about who they were. Now, listen, I'm not, let's, let's get this straight. I'm not going so far into this and being like, so we need to be a nudist colony. <laughs> That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is that in the original intention, the thing that we usually end up going through whenever we experience sin is that we don't address the actual problem. We try to cover up and make a deal about something else. Always deflection. Deflection, deflection, deflection. We don't get to the root cause. A narrative was built up. They, they were aware of the knowledge of good and evil and what then they were able to, 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 to do that could be perverse based upon the appearance of one another. And so they covered themselves but it wasn't the fact that they could do something that would be wrong. It's the fact that they chose to listen to another voice. And so when Jesus came, he didn't come to overthrow the government. That's what they were expecting. They were expecting a governmental overhaul. That There were zealots who were training and, and ready to go and, and storm the castle, essentially, and overthrow the Romans and take their rightful place again as the powerful nation that they once were. That was not the issue was that they needed to have a stronger governmental process. the issue the issue was the voice that they were listening to. who were they going to for truth? who were they going to for freedom internally? you see throughout the majority of Jesus's ministry he healed people of illnesses and set them free of the demonic oppression many demonized people it didn't say he ran for office and tried to run on this one bill it's not what set people free of demonization you guys okay it's God with us. That's, that has got to be our full, our full understanding is that, that in the midst of, if, and, I, and again, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, we're getting ready to walk into another political season, and we remember how contentious the last two were, right? We're not amiss to the fact that this nation was crazy for two, two cycles of political processes, and I don't foresee this being a really lackadaisical one. But where is our hope found? Who is it in? Sure, there's a bunch of crazy stuff happening around the world. Where does our hope come from? Who will ascend the hill of the Lord? And who will declare his holy word? With clean hands and a pure heart. Blessed are those with a pure heart. For they will. They'll see God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you'll be satisfied. He's standing at the door and knocking. Because he wants to dwell with us. He wants to dwell with us. Will we let him in, not just into the entryway to where he gets to hang out in the living room? Some of us are very comfortable with having him just in our living room of our soul. I'm talking about our souls, not just like, what? He can be just my living room. No, no. I'm talking about the in your soul, in your heart to where he's only he's okay for just like some conversations I have with a certain amount of people that I would only let in my living room. Right. Jesus is only cool in these circles. But when it comes to actually like going and doing other stuff. In my life, where those people aren't around, not so much Jesus dwelling in that room. Does he have a key to every room in your house? Does he have a key, or is he just invited in the outer court? Can he actually come to the inner court? Then can he progress into your inner sanctuary, the holy of holies? What have you placed on the altar? What have I placed on the altar? What have I placed on the throne in those ways that could have either helped or hindered my relationship with him actually dwelling? He doesn't want to just come and visit your temple. He wants to dwell there. Jesus didn't come to overthrow governments. That's why I'm not concerned with the craziness of what's going on politically around i like to be informed it's good i'll read stuff i'll go through that's that's awesome but i'm not going to be overwhelmed and inundated with this information to the point to where it takes my takes my peace come on that's ridiculous i'm not going to allow that to divide me from people just because they may have a different opinion than i do what is an opinion That one person's thought process. Is it truth? I'd love to align myself with truth and not just have opinions all day long. Because we know, uh, uh, for however many political cycles that we've gone through in life, some of you have, have seen a few more than I have, how often do political figures hold true to every single word that they say when they stand up and talk about stuff? But yet we go bonkers nuts over what they said. But they said they were going to. But they said this was going to happen. We're placing other people in the position that God should be at. We're making them our hope for things to be made right and well. When in reality, if we are just simply loving others through the gospel of Jesus Christ if we're if we're set on actually sharing the good news with others if we're set on actually living this and embodying this and being transformed myself if i can be transformed by this then i know that i can communicate transformation to other people in a much greater fashion i'm just a dude in southeast missouri i'm not sitting in the white house so why am i concerning myself with trying to transform the white house when that's not my responsibility We can pray. Absolutely, we need to pray. But we do not need to obsess ourselves over things that do not cause us to be, to be transformed by the Holy Spirit. And as you do that, he'll give you burdens to pray for things and for people. For times and for seasons. He'll do that. But that's something that you get to co-labor with him about not something that you can just say that i've been contending for this it's like have you why what is your purpose what is the reason for this are we drawing people back to the heart of the father so that he can dwell with them because let me tell you jesus came he was born he lived He was crucified, he was buried, but then he rose. But then he rose, and he's coming back, and he's here. I'll throw you for a loop too. He's coming back, and he's here. I don't want to obsess myself over things that don't concern true transformation in jesus if i want to live a blessed life i need to look and see what he says about how to be blessed blessed are those okay step one what is that who are poor in spirit i need to humble myself (laughs) step one humility humility some of us, there, there are times where I need to just stay in that one verse and not progress to another blessing because I have yet to be blessed in that area yet. Anybody ever felt that? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Lord, have mercy. Humility. Okay. Oh, don't go to the next verse. I still need that. Okay, gotcha. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need to be humbled. Yes. Continue that. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Emmanuel is God with us. I'll end with this because I, I, I want to go in a million different directions, but I'm going to close this. Praise the Lord. We have a few more weeks. We're going to continue in the series so I can say more things then. Emmanuel is God with us. Not necessarily God validate the things that I can do just because I'm the one that has the only truth. It's like the, you probably heard the story of the mouse and the elephant when they walk across the, the, uh, uh, oh my gosh, what's that? that, Like a bridge, they were walking across a bridge. And the mouse is sitting on top of the elephant. They walk across, it's like, (laughs) it's like, shaking everywhere whoa it's crazy they get to the other side and the mouse goes well we sure shook that didn't we pretty sure you did nothing like that mouse you could have walked across that thing and it wouldn't felt a ounce of your weight it was the elephant underneath you that was doing all the shaking and all the moving sometimes we get a big head about being the mouse with the elephant as if we are the ones who are wielding this, this truth or this authority. <laughs> I was listening. This I'll tr- I'll, I promise. I'm ending on this story right here. Promise, <laughs> promise. I was listening to a, a testimony uh, interview uh, that, that over like the last week and a half. Uh, it's like a three hour interview, so it took like four different you know variations of me going through it to actually get through it. But in the middle of this, this man he said that. Uh, he was a practicing witch in Africa for a long time. Was really high up in uh, kind of their spiritual rankings and stuff. He was a part of wit- the 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 coven's and he was a part of the Satanist church over in the UK. And uh, and he said that there was at one point they were in the middle of a session and they were trying to figure out who the people were who were in opposition to their their plans because all they could see was light around a group of individuals who were praying and interceding. And what he ended up doing is is they did like this whole thing, and, and he ended up uttering the name of this pastor, and all the lights in the facility went off. They were all like, whoa. He was like just the name. Like you, you could feel the fear in the people in the room as he just said that person's name, and all this happened. And he said, it's not because that person's name was just that awesome. It's because that pastor bathed himself in the name of Jesus the extent that it was then effective, in the middle of our confrontation, and it caused me to go back to the scripture where Paul is talking to all these different people, and he's like, "Hey, look," or sorry, it's the sons of Sceva. The sons of Sceva were where all the things happened, and they they were telling the spirits, "You need to go." This dude was like, uh, "Yeah, sure, uh Paul," because they said, "In the in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, you need to leave." That's how they were trying to cast demons out, and. uh the, the demon said, Paul, I know, I know that guy. Jesus, know him. Who the heck are you? <laughs> Who is you? <laughs> and why is he saying this? So it's not just because Paul was so ever-loving awesome, it's because he bathed himself in the name of Jesus to the extent that whenever he was in a place, the authority he carried was not his own authority. It was the authority of Jesus. It's not anything that he can have to where he can boast about it. Whenever Jesus sent the, the 72 out, two by two, to go and to, to pray and to cast out demons, they, they came back, was that right? 70, excuse me, when it, 72 by two, that's what I, yeah. When he sent the 70 out, two by two, to pray uh, healing for the sick and then to cast out demons, or some of his disciples that came back and were like pumped. Dude, demons were leaving. It was awesome. Great, great day. And he was like, you should not rejoice in the fact that demons flee whenever you cast them. You should rejoice that you're connected with our Father who's in heaven. Your name is written. We miss the mark when we obsessify over things, facilities, and people. We should rejoice consistently because God with us, Emmanuel. From the beginning of creation, he desires to be with us. Sent Jesus so that he could be with us. It's not about the size of facilities. It's not about the size of ministry. It's not about the riches that you could could conjure up. It's not about you know, uh, this or that. I mean, goodness, we can go on and on and on and on and on. But do we live truly where we can say God with us? And has he accessed us? Or do we just give him the presentation of fig leaves, hoping that that is okay? Because I've covered my tracks enough. Let's stand. The Lord is faithful. He's everlasting. He's loving. He's enduring. He's righteous. He's strong. He's true. He's just. He's fair. He's all powerful. He's not weak. He's safe. And so Jesus, we just take these moments right now. In full surrender, asking you to reveal the areas of our hearts, Lord, that we have not surrendered to you. Lord, let those doorways in our bodily temple fling wide open so that you can inhabit them as well. Lord, we don't want to hide away anymore from the things that we have done and the things that we feel some shame and regret over to the point to where we miss the root of the cause of the things that have happened that we believed a lie and that we continue to, to have, have a, a grip on that lie that made us feel like we had to hide away from you. Lord, let us run fervently towards you. In spirit and in truth, in word and in deed, Lord, so that we can understand the purity that comes with relationship with you. Yes. Lord, so that we can understand that you truly do love us. And not that we have to earn ourselves into a position of, of gratitude from you. Lord, let us understand that favor comes with intimacy. That, Lord, we, sh- we just need to seek after your face. Laying down our burdens in the process, knowing that if you are my shepherd, I lack nothing. And that at every point, every turn, every process of our lives, that you are there with us, Emmanuel. That at the table, in the valley, in correction, in the pasture, you're there. God with us, and so if you are with us, who could be against us? Which really means that if God is for me, then nothing will be able to remove me from the security of relationship with him because I am in him and he is in me. Nothing else is greater than Jesus. Nothing else is more powerful than his name. Nothing else holds a higher standard than what it means to follow after Christ in truth and in love. And so, God, I just pray that your love meets each and every person in this room right now. That in those places of inadequacy would be removed. Those places of fear would be removed. Those places of uncertainty would be removed. And that it would be replaced with your grace, with your love, with your peace. And with the revelation of your triumph over death, hell, sin, the grave. Holy Spirit, move in this place. Have your way in ours, in our hearts. We give you praise, honor, glory. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You guys have a fantastic Sunday. If you would like prayer or anything, um, we're happy to pray with you uh, over here in the front. Otherwise, enjoy a wonderful Sunday. And we'll see you guys next week for a continuation of this message.